0: Did you find yourself kind of like, were you like the the cool cool kid? Because you were like, oh, he's got a different accent, or were you actually more? Mm. I don't know how Australia is. I was maybe, the they, fat maybe they, maybe they. You were the, uh, fat, kid. the fat kid. Oh. So I was fat kid. I had
1: that going for me. Uh, you
0: know, side note, he is not currently <laughs> fat, so we're, we can go real We're not going to fat that, shame certainly. on this podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Joey Show. Well, we're about to make things pop Joey-style, if you know what I'm talking about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Joey. Joey, Joey, what are you doing? Are you recording right now? Yeah, I was, you know, just doing a little recording. Joey, this is an actual podcast. Pardon the noise? I know, I know. I was just, I nobody was here, nobody was listening. I was just thinking I would, you know... Living it up a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Uh <laughs> Thanks but no thanks. Welcome to the Part of the Noise podcast. I'm Scotty Hughes. Today's noise brought to you by the plane that won't stop flying overhead my apartment. I mean serious. <laughs> this thing's flying over my apartment. And it I I think it's like I think he's recording down there. Now. Maybe I should just fly around and give you some good background noise. Well, that's why we say part of the noise, right? No soundproof studio in here. Well, today we have an awesome show for you. Uh, today's guest is Chad Lakin. Chad Lakin is the VP of America for Shootsta. Uh, he comes way of America via Australia, back to America, back to Australia, back to America. And I think he hooked up with a wife along the way, and uh, maybe had some kids. But uh, he's a good friend of mine, and uh, I can't wait for you to hear this interview. Um, You'll probably be hearing a lot more of this guy. He... uh uh, he's been in talks, you know, we're in contract negotiations, and so we'll see, uh, you know, so we'll test him out, you know, so but today we're going to be talking about, a, you know, a few different things, uh, preachers and sneakers, that hot topic, right, we're also going to be talking about uh, fat shaming, uh, we're also going to get to know chat a little bit, uh, I want you guys to, to experience the delicacy known as the laken, mistaken by the malaykin no all right well without any further ado chad lakin all right my guest today is chad lakin the man the myth the legend
1: uh how you doing I'm good that's actually um what I require my wife to call me when she introduces me to other people. So you did well there. Uh, yeah, well.
0: yeah. I got the memo <laughs> notes that your people sent over. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, good. Um, I love you. I know you. And I want an audience uh, to get to know you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Uh, I'm 36 years old mm-hmm. and uh, lived in Australia for half my life. And my wife's Australian. My kids are little... American Aussie hybrids. And we moved back to the U.S. Uh, in January of 2018 and here to San Diego. So we love it and, uh, you know, run a business. My wife's a creative. We got two kids, Emmy and Jace, six and a half and three, and uh, they run our lives. They're, they're <laughs> amazing me. little creatures. And uh, this morning I left them they had taken the air mattress, propped it up against the wall and decided they were going to try and climb it and bounce off it. So I figured I'm out and they'll, they'll be fine.
0: <laughs> we'll fix that hole later. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. The, uh, why did your family move out to Australia? We lived there a couple of times in our lives. So we moved out there in the mid-90s just um, for an adventure and for my dad's work and lived there for a few years before uh, that wrapped up. And we moved back to the U.S. and bounced around from the Bay Area to San Antonio. And, and to be honest, my parents, I think they always, they always missed Australia and, uh, and the friends they had there. So they were trying to figure out a way to get back. And then uh, in 2000, they, they did that. So they, they took most of us with them. We left my older brother back in Texas, uh, mm. and then just never looked back, and just uh, went to Australia, and and uh, met my wife. We all married Aussies, and and that was it. How many kids? In our family,
0: not your family. The
1: in my brothers, brothers and sisters, sisters. Yeah, so older brother, uh, younger brother, and younger sister. So four of us.
0: Four, nice. The um, so how old were you when that when you went over there for the first time?
1: First time I was nine
0: nine yeah okay so that's why you don't really have any accent uh, you yeah, weren't in the yeah. formative years that's
1: right my sister she's got a really messed up accent she doesn't know what she is really yeah, that's, you know it's fine it's fine there's no judgment <laughs> people look at her strange where are you like... from are you dutch it's like what <laughs>
0: are you from finland yeah <laughs> so the formative years you, you got past that and then um having in English accent or American accent, I should say, in Australia. Yeah, they speak English in Australia <laughs> Yes, as they well, do. So, yeah. uh, did you find yourself kind of like, were you like the the cool cool kid? Because you were like, oh, he's got a different accent, or were you actually more? Mm. I don't know how Australia is. Maybe I was the they, maybe, fat maybe they, kid. You were the uh, fat kid. I was the kid. fat kid. Oh. so that, I had
1: that going for
0: me. Uh, you know, side note, he is not currently <laughs> fat, so for we can go We're not going to fat that, shame sort of. on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was, uh, you know, it's interesting because moving over there when I was nine, and Australia in the '90s uh, was a much different place than it is today, and so it was almost like getting in a time machine and and going like ten years, you know, back from where America was, and that that was interesting as a as a, as a nine year old because, you know, you're used to, you know. Going to Toys R Us and and, and big shopping malls and y'all stuff and that wasn't the lifestyle there. It was all very much you know individual small stores. Uh-huh. And so you kind of watched Australia catch up a little bit during the mid '90s. And um, you know the school system over there is a lot different too. So it's uniforms and all that, and that was mm. a big adjustment for us. And public schools there, and then moving into a, a Christian school. And um, I think it was. It, I'm glad I went through it. It was a little bit of a culture shock, but um, you know, we made some great friends during that time, and, and the church that we ended up going to while we we're there uh, is the same you know movement of churches that we go to today, and so that, that yeah. really brought us here. So yeah, they, um, they
0: moved across the ocean. They
1: kind of they kind of grew, grew all over the the world, and and so some of those relationships and going to that school attached to that church, you know, I still have those friends today, and have influenced my life. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, that was kind of the 90s. And then coming back to the, to the U.S., there was that adjustment as well, you know, because you've been gone for, you know, three or four years. You're in, again, another another state and, um, and going into a completely different school system. And so I kind of bounced around a little bit, you know, doing the private school in Australia, the public school back in the U.S. And then getting to the point where, you know, my parents were kind of like, well, let's homeschool you as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm one of those kids, you know, and, and, uh, but I was in and out. And so I think they saw, you know, the creative nature that I had, you know, my affinity for music and, and drawing and art. And, uh, and my mom was just a big proponent in cultivating that. And so, um, so I went through kind of a different, different phases of public school, homeschooling, Christian school, back to homeschooling and then back to Australia. I had no life i would honestly <laughs> my mom would pick me up from college and uh drive me home honey and i like, made you <laughs> some sandwiches <laughs> and then i go home and do do my senior year credits and uh i was an isolated person actually it's it a bit sad really it actually was i i, I think uh for being seventeen, and at that time, that creative arts college, I was the second youngest person there. I wasn't positioned for people coming straight out of mm-hmm. high school, and so. Um,
0: now, were you heavier set at that time? <laughs> were you a heavier set individual <laughs> I uh, we can talk about
1: what well you at that question. time. Well, I'm just yeah, curious
0: yeah. if that played into effect, like, so, so lack of self confidence. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a really good. Friends,
1: yeah, like? really that transition for me happened more, um, probably more like when I came back to the U S after living in Australia, I was, uh, I, I was probably maybe 13 or 14. It's about mm-hmm. a 40 inch waist and over 200 pounds. And, um, so I was a big boy and like, I don't even remember myself at that capacity what I looked like but then I look at pictures I was like wow (laughs) and it was a genetic thing with my family yeah I was like oh (laughs) you ate like another human or something but I ate a baby (laughs) and uh and I remember it was actually after moving to Texas and um when I turned probably about 16 over that summer break and that's kind of when everything started shifting for me and I came back to to high school I was at a Christian school then and everyone's like, "What?" Ha-? I remember my PE coach was like, "Oh, Chad, all right, you like you slimmed down a little bit over the summer, and it just kind of things started to happen." And I, I changed my diet over the years and a bunch of that sort of stuff. So when I moved to Australia when I was seventeen, I was you know still a big guy, but not no one would be like, "Oh my gosh, that obese, rotund individual," <laughs> um, but I was still insecure, you know, because a lot of that sort of stuff, you know, it, it stays with you for a long time, and I think. What I found transitioning from, you know, even like a 13, 14 year old in California and going to middle school and being like very much a wallflower and very much a quiet, creative introvert. um, I think something shifted when we moved the next time where I discovered humor and I discovered um, making people laugh and and kind of a superpower I had with connecting people and that influences. Any influences? Just myself, man. Just... Just my own. <laughs> you know, there wasn't anything that I was like, oh, listen to this comedian. It was more, I think, looking at my family dynamic. Mm-hmm. And um, when you have a, a, a family of four kids with very different personalities, um, some individuals more probably hot-headed than others, you know, I, I kind of found myself taking on more of a role of a peacemaker and using humor to diffuse situations. And I think discovering that and then folding that into personal relationships and friendships and school dynamics where you've got so many different people groups, you know, and, and um, learning to kind of discover who I was in that capacity and, and understanding that I wasn't a jock. I wasn't a nerd. I, I was creative, but I was friends with all those people and learning to be a connector and using humor to um, the few situations, but also just to facilitate friendships. Mm-hmm. And that took me out of my shell a little bit, and obviously, like you know, shedding some weight and feeling a little bit more confident helped. But um, I think going into Australia and in that that first year was more is honestly probably linked more to geography, living further away from everybody else, and and um, the college, and then lack of vehicle. So you're kind of restricted <laughs> when mom has mom. to drive you around. <laughs> it was before Uber, it was before Uber, way before Uber. <laughs>
0: yeah, well. That's cool. Well, I'm glad you're here. You're uh, definitely, you've become one of my good friends since moving here. Thanks, man. Definitely felt like a, a kindred spirit with this guy. I was like, oh, man, I got to have him on the podcast. Um, every time we we have great conversations, I was like, that's the kind of thing that in this podcast I want to have with people mm-hmm. is just great conversations with interesting people, people that I like, people that I'm not like bored with or like... <sighs> just don't interest me. or And that's not to say everybody has a story. Every You can get that story out of them. But sometimes you just feel more of a connection with certain people.
1: What you'll discover over this podcasting journey is that you're going to learn a lot more about those people in a capacity like this. Yeah. As opposed to just a normal conversation. I mean, I'm just, when would we ever talk about my fat season? It just wouldn't (laughs) come up naturally, would it? i just lock it away in a dark corner. Well...
0: (laughs) i'm the, i'm the kind of person that um i like to break down people's barriers and like, their walls that they yeah, put up let's go so when i first moved to san diego we moved into what we called the man house and so it's kind of like the you know there's like wow. five or six of us all living there some of the guys you know you know mm-hmm. uh Chittick, david williams paul church ward we all <laughs> lived in this house and there's a, one friend of ours rob mamula and he's like this football player strength and conditioning coach that lived, you know, that went to North Dakota State. And uh, so he, I came into that environment and I'm kind of a little touchy-feely. And so he's sitting on the couch and I'd come, you know, come in to sit right next to him, put my arm around him and he'd be like, (laughs) don't touch me, man. (laughs) He'd be like, what are you doing? Um, And I'm like, what, man? Just giving you some love, you know? And, uh, but slowly i it it, it it I like began to change it to where it's like I would just sit right down on it and it wouldn't bother him at all. He would warm down. Warm down. Did you know.
1: he eventually get to the point where he just he just put his head in your lap and go <laughs> to sleep. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was but, a line that we had to <laughs> well
0: how does this the Bible say it? Uh, that he laid it the one whom laid his head on Jesus' chest.
1: There you go. There uh, you go. <laughs> 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 Happened one time.
0: So I had you do a little homework uh-huh. on, uh, so just some current topics that are coming up right now. Did you and I said uh, did you see this pardon part uh, preachers and sneakers? Yeah, Instagram yeah. page.
1: I worked really hard to see if they would actually uh, feature me on it, but um, apparently I am not cool enough, nor do I have the required footwear
0: yeah i was gonna say you're not a uh <laughs> are you'
1: looking at my shoes right now I, well These you're are, not uh, a high class sneaker no, kind of no. guy i'm not
0: um initially to it there's a lot of a lot of guys that you we see in kind of like the circle of yeah yeah speakers creatures we know that, on there yeah. Uh, yeah that we know that i've had conversations with what was your first reaction when you saw this yeah I, so, so just to, to let the audience know, is this uh, Preachers and Sneakers, it popped up um, maybe about less than a couple weeks ago,
1: hmm. and uh, yeah, March 18th, I think is the first yeah. po- post. Only like, what, 28 posts or something like that? 130, yeah. 130,000 followers. Yeah.
0: And it's just kind of like uh, mainstream preachers that uh, their footwear is, uh, is quite nice, we should say. <laughs> uh, somebody then kindly posted what shoe they were wearing and how much you could buy it for now. I don't know the site that you this is posting. Mm-hmm. But um, it's definitely, you know, I mean, you're looking at $1,000 Nikes. Uh, oh, there's some, some $5,000 shoes on there, yeah. You're looking at some joggers that might uh, range in the $800 range. So what was your initial reaction when mm. you seeing this?
1: I mean, this actually popped up in my, my news feed. So I was getting kind of their perspective as a from, you know, whatever, Washington Post or whoever mm. was posting about it. And it's funny when you think about this sort of stuff. Obviously, like, the <clears throat> world is looking for something to be critical about. And I think what's interesting about the um, the guy that actually, or the girl, we don't know who it is that started the account, It's it's not even necessarily that they're taking a hyper-negative view on it. You know, yeah. they're kind of just saying like, hey, here's a preacher, check out their shoes, and this is how much it's worth. And then, you know, they're not slandering them so much. It's kind of just like letting people run with it. And even reading some of the interviews with the individual, you know, They're like, hey, you know, some of these preachers, like Chad Veach, you know, I really like him. I think that he's actually being really effective out there, and he's, you know, ministering to some high-profile people. So, so I think in that regard, you know, this isn't someone just going after um, the kind of let's let's go after the high-profile preachers and just kind of drag them through the mud. In saying that, it's creating a context for people to attack certain things about an individual. I. I have no problem with people having nice things so I I don't come from well I should say actually like you know I think there's been an education over the years of uh, tying it back to self-worth right as an individual Mm -hmm. fat shaming you know your own self-confidence all that sort of stuff and developing into a place where you feel worthy to be able to you know can I buy something nice can I treat myself to something nice. And I think that's an important journey to go through from a self-worth point of view. And that's kind of a little bit of a side point. I think with these pastors, though, um, hmm. I thought what was interesting when I was digging into maybe some of Chad Veach's comments back that were highlighted, and he I thought he handled it brilliantly. You know, he was just like, hey, man, thanks so much for, you know, for, for highlighting this sort of stuff. I, to be honest, I actually didn't pay for any of this wow and 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 being in those sort of circles a little bit with my background and um, and kind of you know for a long time I ran the record label for our movement and uh, so we do tours and we visit different churches and all that sort of stuff i understand that you know some of these you know, some of these preachers just get blessed by people they're just yeah. like hey you know what I want to, I want to bless you with these pair of shoes or this belt, these clothes. And we had that with some of our, some of our guys and they'd go to certain countries and be like, Hey, we're going to take you guys out shopping just because we want to honor, you know, the man or woman of God. i got no, no problem with that. Yeah. So I think at the end of the day with, with this sort of stuff, we don't know the backstory of the motivation behind them owning, you know, these pieces of clothing.
0: Yeah. I think that that was part of the conversation that I was hearing and reading about was that there's a lot of assumptions being made. Mm. The assumption, you know, is that they they paid that price for the right. right, issue. Right. The assumption was made that uh, that they're just trying to look really good up there. Mm. The assumption is made that, um, that uh, we don't know their heart. Mm. And um, so from that place, I could see a lot of judgment coming towards some of these preachers and... You know, because people think, well, they're a pastor, so are they with their the money that mm. the church is paying right. them with tithes? Right? Are they going
1: out and buying five thousand dollar pairs of sneakers? Yeah. yeah,
0: um, and and you could see from a uh, perspective of you know just a common person like that could be kind of off putting. Like, mm. well, why am I why am I giving money to this church? when the pastor pastor's just turning around and and buying thousand dollar sneakers
1: right,
0: you know, I want my money to go towards something to to help somebody mm. and like you know so i I didn't even see that comment that Chad Feach had said um that he didn't buy any of that stuff mm. and I b- actually believe it I mean his church is based in here in l a like he's yeah. uh, and we're assuming he's got that, a lot like... of influencers in his church. um I know some people that that go there. And so, L.A. being that type of city, that's that's the crowd that um, you know. That's their fashion sense. Mm. A lot of those people, and uh, so you're talking those about people. those, those, those people. people. Those people. Those people. up the up north. Those L.A.ians.
1: <laughs> well, and I think you're talking about in this regard, Scott is like the relevancy thing, right? So, like, where where are you? What's your demographic? How are you staying relevant to mm-hmm. those individuals as well? And, you know, and hey, and, and to, to Chad Veach's point, you know, it's like, and some of that he may have bought as well, you know, and, and that's totally fine. And I know looking at the sneakers, some of the stuff when you read into it, it's like when this sneaker launched, it was 160 bucks yeah. for about 15 minutes until, you know, and it was more about scarcity. And it's a whole subculture, by the way. Yeah. So there is like people that this is what they do and they love high end sneakers. Like it is a, is a thing. I love that people have things that they love. So maybe some of these pastors are like, no, that's my thing, man. And I, you know, I relate it back to myself. So guitars, right? I will spend thousands of dollars on a guitar that I love, and I have, right? But no one's gonna, no one's gonna pull up um, Michael W. Smith and be like, dude, you're playing a 1965 Telecaster that's worth four thousand dollars. I can't believe you would do that. Yeah. Like, n- well, no, because it sounds good, and it's, it's what I want, and I'm investing in that, right? Yeah. So you can't disconnect the two when you think about quality purchases. I think to your point, though, like the mentality where individuals are going, he's taking my tithe and buying, you know, shoes. Well, it's not like preachers are taking a percentage of all income. I I don't it's not a commission, you know, so much like most preachers are going to be on a salary, you know, on a wage. Right. So they they have a finite amount of income as well. What I love about, you know, the individuals we're talking about here and in uh, in ministries that not only are they ministers, but they're also business people, right? Yeah. So they, they have gone, okay, you know, I, I, have, um, I have businesses that I run. I get income from multiple sources. And who are we to, to judge, you know, as far as what they're doing with the income from those sources? Mm-hmm. I think another thing to, to um, look at as well is I would have a problem if they weren't also generous individuals. Yeah.
0: Well, so can I stop you there for just two seconds? Mm. I feel like you just made two assumptions. I did didn't you, you just <laughs> did that. You know what I mean? You assume that they have businesses on the side, mm-hmm. and then you also assumed
1: that they're generous.
0: Do you know those four facts?
1: or well, I know' <clears> looking <throat> at the individuals like Erwin McManus and Chad Veach yeah. and John Gray. So you know if we're looking at those guys and going, the um, the books, the speaking engagements that they do, all that sort of stuff would be run as, I, I look at that as a side business, right? That's kind of their IP that they're out there yeah, selling. Yeah. So I think you know looking at those channels just in that regard, you go, okay, well that's other income streams for you as well. From a generosity point of view, um, you know what, it's a total assumption. It's just yeah. understanding and seeing their heart You know, as far as in some of the messages and communications they give. Um, but I'm not looking at what they're paying out every day to yeah. other people.
0: Yeah. No, and that, I, and uh, sometimes what I do, my wife, it drives my wife crazy, is whatever s- side you're coming from, mm-hmm. I will usually, even whether I believe it or don't believe it, I will go to the other side. Hey man, that's what
1: makes for a good conversation.
0: To, to kind of just strengthen your argument mm-hmm. or dismantle your argument. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Depending. <laughs> um I did hear someone talking about uh, they had grew up in you know the eighties and nineties and with the prosperity gospel. Mm. And you looked at preachers like Benny Hinn and and um, you know Creflo Dollar, Jesse Duplantis, and you look at these guys mm. and they're wearing thousand dollar suits Mm. shoes thousand you know I mean if you added up the total you know and that's not even accounting for inflation that's just back then how Mm. much that stuff cost and and the flashiness of that and and so in a lot of ways we say that we are repulsed by that type Mm. of you know flashy preacher type gospel thing my question is have we done the same thing just in a different form and you know what I mean like instead of yeah in this regard it's like okay we're not wearing the flashy suits mm. but are we wearing are we demonstrating the same exact thing that the prosperity gospel that turned people off back then is it reflective now in just a different way in a in a millennial way
1: mm. well I, I do think that it's I think you're right in the, the connection there, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, and there's, there's nothing new under the sun, right? So it's yeah. people are always going to be judgmental of something when they don't know the full backstory, right? So easy to look at the, the outside circumstances and make those judgment calls. Um, but I think, you you know, they're not presenting themselves in $5,000, you know, Armani suits. You're right. It's just something that is more culturally relevant. But at the end of the day, it's got to be about the heart too, Mm -hmm. You know, and I think looking at those individuals and, you know, there's there's not great press around them a lot of times. But, you know, what's their heart? What's their motivation? And then what's the the, what's the fruit out of it as well? And so that's why I would have a problem, you know, I think with some individuals that their fruit was just not good, Mm -hmm. you know, or you would really see like the the filling up of self purchasing these items at the expense of others, Mm -hmm. you know around them um but again we don't really have insight into a lot of that sort of stuff Mm -hmm.
0: yeah no there. these these conversations they are it's we have to assume a Mm -hmm. lot and then once you make one assumption you have to build a case on assumption that could be completely false or inaccurate or not even true in the first place um i just think what's nice about what this uh conversation that's being generated it does get people talking mm. and and i think that's where everything needs to start is a conversation because it you know it's it, it can raise some eyebrows mm. and it can make people like yeah see this is why i don't trust preachers or right, right. and and i don't think that any of these guys carl lentz steven furtick mm uh, Chad Beach. I don't think that's their intention. Mm-hmm. I think they, they have a fashion sense and I think they're trying to reach a certain, uh, demographic. Right. And that's kind of, you know, you, you want to look the part for the demographic you're mm. trying to reach. Um, but the, the question is, do you need to have a thousand dollar tennis to do that? Right. Is that mm. quite necessary? And, uh, but at the same time, you know what I mean. Like if, if somebody's giving you a thousand dollar pair of tennis shoes, uh, am I gonna say no? I, I, I'm I'm gonna take it, right? But then I'm never gonna wear it because yeah, yeah. I'm embarrassed. Think? What will people think? Mm. That's that's just as bad because now you're operating at, at a heart level that is, that is insecure in I, what will people think.
1: Right, and um. That's the
0: the bad side of it, right?
1: Yeah. What do you think, Scott? As far as looking at an individual in ministry, okay, and they have the income to spend money on items like that because they enjoy them. So Mm -hmm. even if let's let's take out the scenario that they were given these items, but just they go, you know what? To me, that shoe, those pants, whatever that that is worth the investment. But they make that decision. Oh, I love your facial expression right now. This is good. Yeah, We're going deep now. (laughs) The
0: words you said, worth the investment.
1: For them. So they see the value in that. As an individual, they go, I really enjoy those shoes and they cost me $1,000. But I think it's worth it based on the money that I've made. You know, legitimately, how are we to... Why, why, how can we judge them in that, in that way? (sighs) And let me, let me throw this in there as well. If you saw me and wearing a thousand dollar pair of shoes, now I'm not on a pulpit. You'd probably think of it differently though, right?
0: Yes and no. Like, I. I probably would never ask, mm-hmm. or even I would. I'm not a shoe guy, so I wouldn't be like, "Look at those! Th- those have to be those at least thousand yeah. dollars." <laughs> like, I, if I saw you wearing Gucci shoes, I would just assume you bought the knockoff set. Marshalls. Nice, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would
1: do. Yeah. Um, Nord- Nordstrom Rack, actually. Nordstrom Rack, agree. exactly. <laughs> a little like, bit more higher end.
0: <laughs> my my thing is, you know, if you've got the money, and and you want to buy stuff. That's fine for myself personally. I'm like I just feel like there's better things that we could be doing with our money mm-hmm. than just trying to put on a facade and a a flashy coat, you know, a coat just to project an image to the world.
1: Oh, but you're judging that that's the reason why they're buying it, and so isn't it? Well, well, see, this is the thing, right? So there's there's the debate around the utility of an item. Right, so hey, yeah. should I just spend money on something that's gonna get the job done? I could go to Kmart and buy clothes, and it would cover my body, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or that they're buying something that yes, you know, facilitates a jacket. I want a jacket, but you know, I really like that jacket. I look good in that jacket. That you know, I feel good in that jacket. It fits well, and it's high quality. I know it's gonna last. There's an element of branding to it, you know. And I, oh, this is nice, but I like jackets that Gucci makes. You know, this. Okay, it's a thousand dollars. I have a thousand dollars. I'm not. I'm not withdrawing that money from a need that is in my immediate world, but you know I want to invest in that. Now, if I was going to go purchase, but what is your motive? Yeah, I mean that's it all comes down to motive, and this is what we don't know.
0: Pure, pure motive is is very, if you you know, to me there is a level of brand brand representing, and you know what I mean. Like, if if you saw that same jacket. Similar quality for half the price, but you don't get it because it doesn't say Gucci, Mm -hmm. as opposed to a a no-name brand. To me, I think that says something. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's saying I want. I want the image. I I want this image. Mm. I want to project myself in a way. I I want people to see me this way. You know, and to, and I want them when their first judgment of me to be, this is the image that they think of mm-hmm. and that it, what this associates with. So what does Gucci say? It means that I have money, that I have class, that I'm, that I have power. I have, you know, though all those things are associated as soon as you, you, you put that brand or whatever it is, Gucci, it don't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that all leads back to insecurity. And right, right. And yep. so, um, that you want the compliments, you you're trying to. And at the end of the day, you're trying to have some sort of validation of yourself. And I think any validation uh, that you're trying to get for yourself in things is it's a sham. It's a falsity. It's it's a it's. At the end, it's going to burn. You know what I mean?
1: Well, at the end of the day, our words and our actions should be what people judge our character by. Yeah. Right? Unfortunately, <clears throat> it's, it's it's not always the way that that it works. And I'm only throwing that out there because I think there are scenarios where, you know, I think for me, I mean, I don't have $1,000 to spend on, on a tennis shoe. But if I did and I found a shoe that I liked, it would be more the motivation of, you know, I really like that. Um, it feels really good and it, it's a high quality it's going to last and I yeah. see it as an investment but that's my mentality because I don't really care about the brand but I think that there are scenarios out there where you know who am I to judge what they think is comfortable and what they enjoy just because of the quality of the item and they have the disposable income to invest in it but you said like the tipping point of it being when it becomes about what people how people judge them based on what they wear mm-hmm. So, again, we're going to look at this again. So we're looking at, like, a Carl Lentz or something where you're going, hey, his demographic are these people that wear clothes like this. So he's being relevant to them. So is he buying it for that or is he buying it because, you know, I I, I really want people to make sure that they know that I've got money, you know, (laughs) right?
0: No, no, I don't think so. But I think there are subliminal messages that we send all the time. And... And and we don't mind the feedback that we get from those subliminal mm-hmm. messages. So when I wear, you know, $500 Fear of God Air 1s, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's a little bit of... What am I trying to say? That... I don't know. I just... It, What I feel is there is a little bit of wanting some validation Mm
1: -hmm. in that.
0: that, And that comes from even Instagram itself.
1: Right. So I think everyone deals with this at different levels, right? And maybe what we're addressing here is just the level of people that operate at a higher space than us, different income streams or different income levels, right? So therefore, it becomes a lot more public and a lot more, um, I would say, excessive in the sense like for us, maybe it's more... We deal with the same thing, but we go and buy $200 pair of jeans, you know? And it's like, man, well, it's got these true
0: religions.
1: (laughs) Everyone, Everyone needs to see them. But, you know, I mean, I think I'm, I've done that, you know, in the past where it's like, you know, these are $300 pair of jeans. I want people to know that I've got a pair of Subis on. This is, this is not, this is before I got married. Um, And I think, you know, you, you, you kind of do, right. You kind of, you deal with that. And, uh, and even levels underneath that too, you know, I've got an Apple watch. Hey guys, look, I, I have a few hundred dollars to buy an Apple watch. I want you to, uh, yeah, I kind of want you to see that a little bit. You know what I mean? So I think Mm -hmm. there are, I think most people do deal with that. Should we have that mentality? Absolutely not. We should always be checking our character. We should have a mind like Christ. We should, you know, Christ is the model. So, you know, I think that's, that's the goal but we still struggle with our flesh every day
0: yeah yeah i think it it, what everything that's happening with instagram Mm. and social media is all playing into this this whole comparison game right right and the comparison game is actually it's sickening us as a people as a culture to where we we're we're becoming more and more depressed mm. because we're addicted to the social media we're addicted to seeing what everybody's doing and wearing mm. and and then when we see that and then we're like I don't and you know so the the, the 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 good side of it would be like oh I I'm following people that like inspire me and I want
1: right, to I right. want
0: to I want to be like them yep. I want to I like what they
1: but comparison game
0: everybody's just they're they're posting their highlight reel absolutely and 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 with you know people people don't post like you know I'm sitting on the toilet throwing up you know three in the morning type pictures right they yeah. post like here I am at Disneyland with my family and we're and
1: <laughs> here <laughs> no I, kids are screaming at all here's
0: another date night picture for you and to me that that's one it's it's sad. Um, and yeah. not that people are going on date nights, but they cause I've caught myself recently. Like I actually pulled back on a lot of what I was doing on social media mm-hmm. and I, I'd be sitting there and we'd be at the zoo or something and I'm like, Oh, this is a great picture to post. And then I'm like, why, why? do I want, why, yeah, yeah. what is my motivation right yep. now?
1: Yeah, That's a, I, I think that's I a want, huge thing.
0: I want to get a bunch of likes mm. of this nice picture I took of me and my family mm-hmm. at the zoo. And, and I would just literally put my – close the close the app and say, you know what? This is a moment that I want to have for me and my family. Yep. There's no – I'm not – there's no reason for me to to do this to, to – you know, to – And so, not that it, I'm going to make somebody else feel bad because they can't afford to go to the zoo right, or right. – because we are assuming that I paid for it I don't know really if somebody you know, maybe like we gave me tickets this, we it. had this decision the other
1: day it was like we want to go we don't have the money to go to the zoo the zoo is expensive man. Yeah. so uh, I, that's a real life example um, I think also there's obviously the dopamine hit of social media right? Yeah. so the constant feedback loop of getting the lights or the comments and all that Um It's a, it's a huge struggle. And I think it's something that, you know, I've watched my wife go through over the years as well. And just in finding those points where it's like, Hey, this is becoming too much of a motivator. I'm going to, I'm going to shut it down for a little bit. Yeah. What I love about what she posts as well is like, she'll post stupid stuff. I love you, baby. But, uh, you know, like, I mean, stupid stuff in the sense of it's, um, on purpose. This is just my life. This is real life. So like, you follow her and you see like yesterday she posted a few insta stories of just her dancing with our son to a track and she just like she knows her hair's messed up, whatever. Like she's she's wants to show real life. Yeah. And when you say that I'm like next date night when or, or next time I have a fight with her, I'll just do a quick little <laughs> <just> selfie. <laughs> And, and see be, how that hashtag goes. Hashtag real life, you know, <laughs> hashtag keeping it real. Don't uh, do that. Hashtag, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be the... hashtag marriage over. <laughs> Don't do that. But you're right. I think it's, I think people do get caught up in, in that. And the trick is really understanding those triggers. And when it happens, just like you experience going, you know what? I need to be in the moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, Cause I, even with, I've, I've started posting more with this podcast. Mm-hmm and uh but i've actually almost purposely intentionally like don't look at how many likes i'm haven't compared the likes right i i'm actually not that interested in the likes mm-hmm. um not, you know that might change so you know as i'm trying to figure out okay this this what works this, what doesn't what works, test what and measure. And, yeah. you know, it's that part of it is, is is i'm trying to build a a brand a, a a business mm. even in the podcast like that it could go into future things um but right now i i just kind of i was like I, I looked down and i was like i don't you know what's got i don't care what how many likes it's got mm-hmm. i i'm just i'm not going to even look and um doesn't mean i probably won't see it at some point but i i think that that was my motivation I, cuz i think I, i've gone through a season that has um I think there was a level of self-seeking, like wanting to be seen. Mm-hmm. You know, like put me in in the front on stage with the microphone and <laughs> let the world see my gifts and talents. And and this this past season that I've gone through has really, it's it's squashed that um, part of me that that needs to be seen. Yeah. Everybody wants to be seen. Everybody wants to know that they're not like, that they're, everybody wants to be seen. But like, I don't, I feel like I don't have that anymore where like, I need to be seen, you know, put me front stage in the center. I'm Mm. more kind of like a, a cheerleader at this point. Like, Mm. who can I help? Mm -hmm. Like, cheer them on, like encourage them to go do it big, do it better than I ever did. And, and so, you know, that's, that's kind of where I've come at this point where it's like, I I don't, the, the self-seeking for me is, I won't say it's dead. (laughs) It'll probably raise his head. I think that it's, it's kind of,
1: it's a really interesting point point. it's fun to, it's fun. It's not fun to go through it at the time, but to look back and see how God can, can smash you in so many ways yeah. to rebuild you <laughs> and like I look at my own life and the pride thing and we, and we and tying it back to creativity tying it back to music tying it back to motivation and you know for us it was it was you know my big thing was I want to write a song and I want to sing on an album right that was like my goal when I was like 16 to be on a worship album and um, moving to Australia that got to happen like a couple of years later and, you know you start feeling the the pride and i was one of the worship leaders that for the youth band right and mm-hmm. so it was like all right it's finally happening and it, and for us we were a bunch of you know 18 19 20 year olds got to tour around got to be on stage got to have people like excited to see you and sign autographs and all that sort of stuff and watching that shift of motivation right? hey no guys it really should be about the heart but like let's make sure we look really good on stage too, you know? And it, it was, it was just, where are your that 300 air Nikes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was skinny jeans back then, my friend. And they had to be super skinny and I was not. If you're going to uh, wear chucks, they better be new. But I think, you know, watching God kind of smash that. Yeah. Yeah. Out of, out of me and, and, and going, you know, things like, I remember we launched this album and we had, uh, you know, Pastor Juergen was our youth pastor, and so we had our phenomena conference where we were launching it. And I had like the title track on the album. I'm like, awesome. We're gonna do, you know, I'll get to sing in front of all the thousands of, of youth. And I get laryngitis, like the like super sick once we start, to the point where I'm like still playing, but I, I couldn't sing and I'm just like hallucinating on stage. It was awesome. <laughs> I think I sang one song that week. You know, it Could really... have been also the LSD, <laughs> yeah, canning out backstage. <laughs> I think someone dropped something in my drink, um, but you know it was interesting through that. And I was probably like 2021 20, then. Um, the worship leading at that point, after that conference, just disappeared. Yeah. And it was like because I wasn't doing it at that conference, it, it I, I wasn't asked. And anyway, it was just a really weird thing. And as an individual, and as a as a person that already is dealing with insecurity, you know, you're like. What did I do wrong through this? And and as I'm going through that process and and doing a little bit more worshiping here and there, but not 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 really. You know, you 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 have to take it. You take it personally. And then um, doing the college thing and you know going through my degree there. And I was getting about ready to graduate and um, doing my final end of year project and all that sort of stuff. And and uh, you know big performance where I sang and I played and it was who I was, you know. And I failed it. They failed me, so they, I failed college, and I, I, uh, they didn't tell me. <laughs> they didn't tell me until uh, I rock up for graduation,
0: cap and gown, and
1: I, I walk up to go cheek to cheek. Yeah, I walk up to get in, and, uh, and they go, "Oh, um, yeah, you're not you're not graduating today." And I was like, "Oh, oh, but would you mind handing out the um, flyers at the front?" at the front door
0: how how did you not find that information out before graduation day you know it was was, you just assumed well it was kind of like i crushed that man that was awesome
1: you know what it was uh don't you know who i am (laughs) i'm chad lakin i'm on an album cover my gosh I, i sang a song once you don't know who i am the um Communication breakdown, I think, and, uh, you know, where it was like, oh, no, it'll be fine. You know, this kind of their feedback thing. Oh, we'll, we'll we'll make up the credit, but, you know, this sort of stuff. And it was people not wanting to actually have uncomfortable conversations. Uh, yeah. And so uh, that's what happened. And so I numbly handed out, you know, welcome brochures. And I think I took a photo with everybody, and then I, I, I bailed. And then we had our graduation party that night. It was very awkward, but, you yeah, know. Yeah. God taught me that during that period of time where, you know, hey, you're not going to be on stage for the front man, you know, and in, in your motivation, even though you're preaching, like, gotta be by the heart. We know what you're after here. Like, mm. I, you need to be really smashed. And he did. He smashed me a lot through that. And I look back at that season and I go, that period of time, and it lasted years, you know, it's only really um, in the past few years that he started to restore that dream again. But yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's a 10 year gap there. Um, but what that taught me with so many things, like it made me the man that I am today, you know, how to deal with conflict, how to have uncomfortable, you know, conversations, how, how to let things just go instead of trying to resolve it all the time. You know, sometimes you have to go, Hey, I've done my part. I need to, I need to step away now. And, um, and then just forgiveness too. And, uh, Forgiving, and forgiving people that um, maybe didn't handle things the best way that were in authority yeah. as well, and so a lot of that conflict resolution and other authority figures coming in, and how do you present? situation you know there's a lot of stuff around my my degree and and hey just so everyone knows that it came good and I graduated like three years later and uh but it, and it <laughs> does doesn't graduate it doesn't, high school yeah, <laughs> graduate college, it doesn't even matter but it was what I look back is just um how God works on the heart yeah and the situations and I think tying it even back to earlier conversation around sneakers and and clothing and all that it's like at the end of the day what do you judge by you know and it's your heart and yeah. it's your words and uh, and I think that's what you know.
0: God judges the heart. Yeah, judges man, the heart. Man, man judges, judges your sneakers. <laughs>
1: judges your sneakers. Yeah, which I have to go buy new sneakers. By the way, uh, just you know, and not five hundred dollars. Yeah. Chuck Taylors, and they will be clean. That's why I need new ones.
0: There you go. Um, that's good. You know, at the you know closing up here. The I I did want to bring up one thing you were saying that that God would sma- smash this out of you. <laughs> And uh, I think, because somebody can hear that, and and they could say, "That's the kind of God he is. The kind of God that just smash <laughs> the ugly things." Out. Right. And right. and that could feel violent, mm. violated, and like that's why I don't want to serve that that kind of God. Mm. And, um, but I think there's there's more of a delicacy to it than just smashing. Mm. You know, Hulk smash, boom, boom. <laughs> I think the God's desire is the best for us, mm. and and I don't ever really think that He smashes. I think He He delicately tries to take us through things, bring us to a place where He could see things growing in our life, or things that are going to hamper us in the future, and he's going to allow certain situations to come in. Cause I don't think God's the one doing the smashing, mm. but I think he allows these things to happen so that when we're crying out, God, where are you? Yeah, yeah. God knows that like in that season, those things are coming to the surface and he can heal them mm. and begin to work them and, and chip them off and, um, just bring you to a place where it's like, you can look back and be like, wow, that was uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and, but I see that I'm better for it mm-hmm. and I see that God what taking and and you still might be going through things that God's working on. Mm. Um, I don't know. I just that that word smashed. I was like, I, I just want to, I don't want anybody listening to this podcast to be like, that's the kind of God we serve. Yeah, he yeah. Just anytime you see something he doesn't like, he's just going to smash Hulk. it out of your life.
1: And I would say, you know, it's terminology, <clears throat> I think, especially in Australia, we, we would use and, and. More in the sense of, in God's point of view, it's the reconstruction of the man or the individual. Yeah. Right. And I think you know what it feels like at the time. I know for me it felt like being broken into pieces that He puts back together. Yeah. And I think that I I would I wouldn't have it any other way. As far as looking back. Yeah. You know, I really, it was a hard season, and but the crying out and the like, I don't understand God. Like, what is going on? And the relationships that came out of it and through it and the lessons learned i can see where he took this image i had built of myself and broke it down and as as the master sculptor starts going you know what Now you need to be a man like this you need to be you know we're going to rebuild this what's your character like here you know what's your motivation there and then seeing a new sculpture come out of that yeah and that's just the the wonderful work of god and 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 the thing is like i said he's never done at least still, like, mm. hey, we're going to tweak that here. We're going to meld that. It's about being open to that as well. Yeah. And um, that's where I feel as an individual today is, like, I'm in no way complete. And, uh, and he's still doing a work, you know.
0: Yeah. Nah, that's awesome. Well, ending here on a lighter note, uh, uh, something I always kind of want to ask the guests that come on the show are, uh, what are you watching what are you reading? What are you listening
1: to? What am I watching? What am I reading? What am I listening to? Listen to. Uh, good, good stuff. Let me think about this for a second. Okay. So what am I reading right now? Obviously, the Bible, Scott. You know, it's a good book. Goes without saying. A good book. Uh, what am I reading recently? Um, I'm actually, t- to be honest, I'm actually reading Pastor Jurgen's book, um, Leader Sight. And so I've been getting through that, which is really good as, as a as a manager, as a leader in business. Um, I've been thinking a lot recently about, you know, the things that I do and where I learned it. And and to be honest, a lot of it came from just church leadership and yeah. being in church and working for a church and things that I saw. And I can see that in Pastor Juergen's book as well. Um, so that's been that's been really good. And uh, there's a couple of business books that I've just purchased to for the team here that, you know, I love the kind of personal development sort of stuff as well. So um, as far as like top books, I love Tim Ferriss's stuff from a uh, entrepreneurial point of view and his podcast. So listening to that, that's something that I listen to um, also listening to um, uh, Reef Hoffman has a podcast out as well. And, uh, so that's really interesting in the startup and business or in leadership space. Um, and then what am I watching? Okay. So,
0: yeah, so, uh, music, it's funny cause I think people,
1: I don't listen to music. You don't listen. Oh, so this is don't. the thing. This, well, this is interesting. So uh, the anti-musician in me, right? Like, <laughs> you know, no know names of cool songs. I never remember names of songs or lyrics. It's awesome. Um, I do listen to music at home. And so, but it's mostly uh, controlled whatever. by my daughter I and whatever what? Heidi's playing. So like baby shark, baby shark is rocking. It's blippy, dude. This morning was Blippy and, uh, and he rocks. Um, so music wise, I'm not a sit down and just listen to, to albums. I'm, yeah. I'm a Dave Matthews fan. So I like his stuff. I'm sorry, but that's just, that was like my first concert, first <laughs> album. It's <laughs> exactly it, bro. The acoustic guitar playing. So that's, that's something I like. And, um, Yeah, let's see, watching, we just finished uh, Santa Clarita Diet, the new season of that, so if you like gore and humor, that ticks a lot of boxes, (laughs) and I started last night, I think it's Triple Frontier, which is a new Netflix movie, kind of a war yeah, you know, soldier movies. So. I think I
0: started it, and it started off, and it starts with a lot of subtitles.
1: It does. It's so like, a
0: lot of subtitles. I'm like, I wasn't ready to be fully mm-hmm. focused. I was trying to do two things at once, yeah. and when that happens, I'm like, I have to turn it off and and watch something else that I can kind of more hear and mm-hmm. then check back into. So I, I might come back to that triple frontier. We
1: we did watch Bumblebee last night though bumblebee yeah the oh transformer the, movie. the transformer movie yeah. yeah i was thinking of the Bee
0: movie with Jackson. no we didn't Jackson. watch the, we didn't watch the bee movie
1: they are night. bees on their honey yeah,
0: uh, it was good it was good but uh, bumblebee nice yeah transformers yeah so those movies um i i like i don't know what it is what happens like the 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 graphics and like it's so fast paced sometimes you're just kind of like what am i look is that a leg is that a (laughs) there's too many parts there's too many parts and and because they're not it's not like you know it's it's not looking at like a normal fist you're looking at that's a fender i think it's a fender that has a fist that's flying
1: (laughs) i will say i haven't i stopped watching the transformer movies after the third one maybe Cause there's like six
0: is there yeah oh, wow. so
1: so last two or three i've not watched um bumblebee is different and not like that so you might be able to follow it a little oh, bit really? better okay. oh, yeah. and it's set in the 80s so it's uh it's got some good retro tunes in it yeah. and uh there's not a ton of robots so if you're if you're into some like you know if we're gonna a little nerdy some g1 transformers transformers we grew up with it's there the, you more, go. More classic there.
0: Oh, it's got some good music too. All mm-hmm. right. I might have to do that then. It's fun. I think that was that was one of those things with um, when Guardians of the Galaxy came out. Oh, yeah. That is
1: the what I listen to. The soundtrack. The soundtrack. I do listen to that.
0: Soundtrack. Oh, gosh. The soundtrack is half that movie, mm-hmm. you know, and the other half of it is that it's just hilarious.
1: It's just Chris Pratt, man. Yeah. That's, it's <laughs> hilarious.
0: But, all right, Chadrick. Well, Not thank you. Not my name, but
1: appreciate it. <laughs> It's not Chatterick Bozeman? It is, no. No, it is not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It'll be many things. Well, we loved having you here on the show, and I can't wait to have you on again soon. And uh, all right, have an awesome day.
1: Thanks, Scott. It's been great doing this. Thank you for listening to
0: the Part of the Noise podcast. You can follow the show on Instagram at Part of the Noise podcast. If you love the show, be sure to rate and review us. It helps us get noticed by others. I'm Scotty Hughes, and we'll see you next time.